I'm Dave Monaco, the Allen Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. In this first month of the new calendar year, our belonging theme takes us to a question. How might community members at Parish explore where they fit in the complex global society we refer to in our mission statement? In my last episode, I had a chance to visit with Stefano Chinosi, the Director of Strategic Innovation for the Andover Public School District. We discussed the Shared Studios portal, now in operation on our campus from January to March 2020. Already, community members of ours have interacted with fellow global citizens in Kigali, Rwanda, and Mexico City, Mexico, just to name a few places. The portal sits just by the basketball courts, that gold box. You'll see it as you drive through carpool. Come and learn some more about it. In this episode, co-host Amari Hayes joins me to discuss one of Parrish's signature programs with a distinct orientation to the complex global society, Parish Abroad. Starting in 2015, we began to pull disparate summer travel experiences for upper school students into a more cohesive, mission-aligned program. Parish Abroad was unofficially launched in the summer of 2015 with our first partnership trip with the World Leadership School, 14 student travelers journeying to India. You may recall in podcast episode from earlier this fall with Ross Wainer, founder and director of the World Leadership School, which I'd commend to you to re-listen. Since 2015, 292 Paris students now have traveled to five continents on a variety of trips offered in both the middle and upper school designed to enhance global and cultural competence, forge leadership skills, and practice service. Upper School Social Studies Instructor and Founding Director of Parish Abroad, Rick Dunn, has overseen the growth of the program. He joins Amari and me today with three upper school students, sophomore Ryland Marshall and juniors Jefferson Ratliff and Yusuf Nadir. Together, we discuss the evolution of Parish Abroad and the powerful impact global travel has on one's personal identity and sense of place in the world. Enjoy this conversation with members of our upper school community as we discuss Parish Abroad. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. This is actually a From Our Angle podcast. Happy New Year, Amari. Hello, Mr. Mark. How are you doing? I'm Happy great. New Year to you, too. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be back with you. We have an exciting show here today with some more guests from the upper school community talking about Parish Abroad. For those of you that listened to the first episode of the new year with uh, Stefano Chinosi, we talked about the portal, which is out and running out in front of the campus. Really uh, wanting to move from talking about belonging inside our community to how our community connects outside uh, the community and the complex global society. So what better pra- uh, parish program to talk about than Parish Abroad, our global travel program. So, Omar, I want to have you uh, get our guests introduced and welcome them here today as we uh, dig into this exciting um, signature program. Got you. Um, so as uh, Mr. Monaco said today, we have a, a few guests here to um, give their experiences and their knowledge on their uh, global society and, and experiences in our global society. So. I would like to leave it up to them to introduce themselves. Um, I'm Jefferson Ratliff, and I'm a junior. I'm Rylan Marshall, and I'm a sophomore. Um, I'm Yusuf Nader, and I'm a junior. And I'm Rick Dunn. I'm an upper school faculty member and director of Parish Abroad. In fact, founding director of Parish Abroad. So well, let's start, 
Mr. Dunn with a little bit of a trace back really to where this all, all got started. Uh, when I arrived at Parrish in 2009, for that period from 2009 to, to roughly 2015, the school had trips. We had these uh, primarily cultural explore, uh, exploration trips that happened uh, in the summer. They were very loosely networked, um, and we began to explore uh, just before Mr. Dunn arrived, in fact, uh, how we might connect those trips back to mission uh, as we began to explore our, our, new, our new mission statement. So uh, when you arrived, uh, we began to have conversations based on your long standing experience as a global traveler and leader of programs at, at Bishop Lynch and, and other places uh, about how we could tie those together. So pick up the narrative from there and to take us through a brief summary of, of how Parish Abroad emerged as one of our signature programs. Yeah, well, thank you, Mr. Monaco, for having me on and to, to talk about this program. I still remember back in September 2014 when we were hashing things out on a napkin. Uh, quite honestly, as my charge was, if you could do this, what would it look like, right? Which is, I think, typical of kind of the innovative spirit. Uh, that we have here at uh, at Parish. So, but Parish Abroad has really grown exponentially um, since that first initial uh, inaugural program to India in 2000, June of 2015. Uh, my original 14 students, and, I, and they're the original family members of that, has now grown to, um, by the end of this summer, summer of 2020, we'll have had 293 participating students. Um, we now offer six programs over two divisions. We visited five continents, 16 countries, um, you know, the kids have raised over $25,000 in charitable mm-hmm. funds for, um, for our host communities. We've completed 2,500 hours of, or over 2,500 hours of community service, both in country as well as uh, here in, uh, in town. Um, you know, we've built a girls' bathroom in India, a basketball court in Belize, an irrigation system in Morocco. Um, we've attended an environmental science class in London. Um, but I really think, for me, the most important aspect is we've really created this kind of ripple effect of change uh, in young people's lives as they now start to see how they, they really belong um, kind of in that complex global society and, and what their role, they start to really think about what their role is as a global citizen. One of the big um, linchpins in, in the formation of Parish Abroad as, a, as an encapsulation or branding element of, of global travel was a call that I got from parent Matt Flieger who uh, called and introduced me to Ross Wiener with um, uh, World Leadership School out of Colorado. Listeners remember I did a podcast with Ross uh, earlier this uh, this spring, when, uh, fall, when he was in town. And uh, this was in the early fall of 2014. Ross was like, hey, you know, here's what we do on our trips. You want to go to India? And that's when I got with Rick and said, Rick, you want to go to India? And you had had some thoughts about how these other programs we had been offering yeah. in this disparate group could be could be uniformed under under the brand or, or umbrella of Parish Abroad. So the numbers speak for themselves. But philosophically, you then wanted to break the trips into really three different types of programs. So yeah. break apart the buckets of the trip experiences and explain the rationale or purpose and how they kind of tie back to our mission. Yeah, so I think the goal of Parish Abroad is, is to raise the global competency of uh, Parish students. Uh, and we really want to do that through both purposeful and authentic you know, travel, right? And, and really trying to align it uh, with our mission statement of creating bold leaders. Um, and so how are we able to do that, right? And what we've been able to do is we've separated them into three kind of distinct categories. Our leadership programs um, that are in the, that take place in the summertime. Um, and those are in partnership with World Leadership School, uh, No Barriers uh, Youth in the, in the middle school. Um, and this is really where kids have an opportunity to participate in programs that really focus on leadership and global issues. And I think really the, the, the key critical component of that one travel opportunity is to kind of create a positive disposition 
uh, towards cultural differences, um, kind of within a, a framework of global values. So we're really getting kids engaged in those differences. So we have our leadership program is one opportunity. Uh, linguistic immersion um, is one that um, we're slowly starting to bring back into the fold. We have an upper school uh, language immersion program that's going to Peru. We're hoping to go to Peru this summer. If, um, and we're, we're, but each of our uh, programs contain an element of, of language, right? Like, because developing global competency, if you can reach fluency in another language, that really allows you to kind of enter into another culture um, in depth and, and really give you great cultural understanding. Uh, and so the linguistic immersion is a second bucket. And then our third bucket is kind of a cultural immersion program that we run in the upper school, and that uh, takes place over spring break. Um, and we typically, uh, you know, we typically go to Europe with that. And that program really emphasizes kind of a deep understanding of world history, geography, uh, arts, uh, and kind of global dimensions, health, climate. Um, and, and, and so we really try to get the kids to understand. That's a really good one to, for kids to be able to understand kind of the process of globalization um, and really start to develop their capacity to think about um, those global issues. So those three distinct categories, leadership, language, and culture. And the culture is really the, the original uh, remnant. Like, so if you were to try to trace the DNA of what uh, the burgeoning parish Episcopal when it added its high school in 20, uh, 2003 and graduates first class in 2007, those first trips are really in that bucket of, right. of the cultural cultural immersion experience. Yeah, and we really want that. Really, we see the cultural immersion experience um, is really, a, we, we view it as a gateway, right? Because it's, it's probably the, the, it pushes the kids least out of their comfort zone. Most comfortable. <laughs> exactly, right, it's right. the most comfortable. But if you can, get, you know, one of the elements of Parish Abroad is to kind of create this relentless curiosity. Uh, and so if we can get kids through that gateway into Europe, um, a lot of times that springboards itself into their, their curiosity going, well, what's it like in India? Or what's it like doing a homestay in Morocco? And so we yeah. usually, we try to use that as our gateway. So essentially in four years, you've 14 travelers to 290 travelers, you know, a one bucket of trips and cultural to three buckets of trips, uh, five continents, and, uh, you know, the hours and the dollars raised, really a remarkable growth in, in, uh, in four and a half years, essentially. And I think it's, I think it's worth noting that uh, bringing it under roof, especially under your leadership, and now empowering uh, colleagues of yours if you train, is the other big differentiator between what Parish Abroad is now versus what global travel was preceding that when it was essentially in those cultural trips third parties that took our faculty along as uh, as chaperones and there therefore there was not this uh, deep development of program and intent and connection back to mission so you know we're really pleased with how it's uh, grown and how quickly it's grown uh, to be a program of our school not one that our students go participate right. in externally you know from the experience and um, on top of a uh, growth uh, before I ask um, I guess um, my question, uh, Mr. Dunn, um, I do have a question uh, for you. Um, as Mr. Monaco talked about the the uh, growth of our parish abroad, um, and um, I told you, I mean, um, I heard you saying that it started with uh, 14 students. Um, and the question I posed is starting anything and finding those that are ambitious enough and, and are courageous enough to even um, accept your offer. Um, I'd like to ask, how did you find or or what did did you see in a certain group of students that you thought would be that would be effective in our parish community? That's a great question. I you know I really think it, it comes down to this, right? I think it comes down to um, the relationships that you develop in the classroom 
uh, from teacher to student, right? I think the trust that you develop in the classroom um, and how you get to know the students, you start to see things, you start to see potential in students, you start to see leadership opportunities uh, for kids. And so, you know, with that first group, it was really, literally, it was me hunting kids down in, in the hallways and saying, I think you should go to India. Um, and it's like, coach, um, I don't know if I ever want to go to India, right? And it was really, you know, I would say probably the thing that was, was, was coolest about it was, and I always talk about those original kids, they trusted, right? And I, and, I, and, and I appreciate so much their ability to trust me in the classroom that that trust bled over uh, into going to India. Um, I would say that there's probably, probably the other critical component with this was, um, was a parent, uh, Seema Deshpande, who um, uh, was parent of Ronick Trivedi, uh, who's now up at Villanova, mm-hmm. um, and is, I think, about to do a, a, a global ed program <laughs> through Villanova, so. Um, but I remember in that original meeting when I was telling parents I want to take your kids to India, uh, and she stood up and said, "Can I? Can I speak?" And I was like, "Yeah, because you know more about India than I do." She's like, "I grew up there," and it was really that community uh, learning that took place on that first uh, on that first trip, where, um, like Mr. Monaco was saying, it went from kind of you know teachers were interested in taking kids overseas to now the schools saying, "No, this is important." And I think that's another aspect of our growth is it's really becoming now part of our culture. Right, and that's the third phase of, of global travel is is now becomes a part of the culture where I've got teachers that are wanting to take people overseas. It's impacting their classrooms. Um, that ripple effect is not just with the kids, but it's also with the faculty members, and it's also with the parents because now the if you're a parent of a parish abroad kid, like you work in this kind of unique orbit and within the school, right? And so those original fourteen, I appreciated their trust, and I think that's really just those relationships that you can build with kids, but what those original 14, their courage to be able to go has now led us to these opportunities. And I'm very, very grateful to every one of them. Yeah, you had relationships with kids, but it also wasn't your first rodeo. You had yeah. a deep passion for global travel. We hired you here. In fact, yeah. we were thinking about, again about Parish Abroad as a concept. So you had taken many global trips yeah. and just truly believed in the power of developing uh, your global competency, one's global competency. Yeah. So you were able to, I think, leverage the relationship and infuse your own passion for travel which, which is one of the things that, that you know you've talked about Mr. Right. Renaco yeah. is you know how you know you find something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and you can really impact change that way we're trying right. to enter to get our kids to students to think about that I think yeah passion if you have a passion about something it's pretty easy to kind of be persuasive be pretty persuasive <laughs> no question now it's just, um so um now as we talked about growth in the beginning um our three guests here um, also, um, as we discussed, have also taken trips. So, um, if we could start with Yusuf, um, what have your trips and where have you gone, and how have they um, impacted your life? Either um, as a, um, as far as it's impacted your home life or just your a global um, aspect as well. Um, yeah, Mari. Uh, so uh, I went to Morocco mm-hmm. uh, in June of 2019. And uh, for me, the experience was very transformative because uh, because uh, it was crazy. The timing of it was very unique. Uh, I just uh, I'm not sure if you you all are familiar with the Islamic faith, but at that time, uh, the month of um, Ramadan was going on, mm-hmm. and so going into Morocco, the end of that month was going to happen in uh, in Marrakesh. And that is a part of your. Uh Cultures, yes. Uh, you, yes. You, uh, so uh, it was a very unique experience for me because you know uh, throughout that month I was really 
in touch with my spiritual side for like a better word um but uh it was cool because i was able to see some of the religious landmarks and and some very uh, important pieces of islamic history in morocco and i was able to you know be 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 a part of the culture and i didn't know anyone there i didn't i didn't speak arabic i didn't really c- connect with anyone but it was through my faith that i was able to you know mm-hmm. feel at home almost mm-hmm. in like in the community that i wasn't a part of so that so that for me was like the the biggest part of the trip. So and um, I like how you m- mentioned that you felt at home in a global society. How do you m- make yourself feel at home in an outside atmosphere? Yeah, that's actually a, a great question. I think for me, it's crazy what you can do when you get out of your comfort zone. I think that was the biggest thing. Um, going into the trip, I was kind of reserved. I wasn't really socializing that much because. Uh, I wasn't really close with any of the, any of my peers who were going on the trip. So at first I was a little hesitant to speak and, you know, kind of like form bonds initially. But, you know, I realized on the trip, I was like, you know what, like you're only going to get this experience once. Why not make the most of it? And from there, I was able to form such great relationships and very authentic relationships because like we got to experience things that we wouldn't experience here. We got to live in a village for crying out loud. Like, like I would never do that. <laughs> and um, it was cool because you get to see kind of different sides of people. And from there, you're able to just create such a unique connection with everyone around you. And with Rylan, you know, I'm a lot closer with her now than I was before. I mean, I didn't even know Jefferson. <laughs> and like, like we, we were in a hammam together. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that is, it's like almost like a group shower. So, <laughs> so... I mean, yeah. it, like it, it, it all fit within our policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what but, was that? What was the phrase that we used? We were Laila. Yeah, which is Arabic for family. Family. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Was, mm-hmm. So yeah. you you all are talking in uh, following that question up uh, around one of our programs that's in the leadership bucket with the World Leadership mm-hmm. School. So maybe playing uh, off of Yousef's introduction, uh, Ron and you and Jefferson talk a little bit about what makes this trip the the um the really the most uh, deeply impactful and the most uncomfortable of the three buckets of trips that Mr. Um, Dunn described because while we're on that I think it's important what are some of the features of those trips and while you're doing that Jefferson tell us all the places that you've traveled to <laughs> and you're kind of well yeah, you <laughs> yeah um it's definitely something Morocco way more than Europe in a lot of ways I had the privilege of going the two years prior to Morocco to London Amsterdam. Brussels and then um, Portugal and Spain as well and what makes Morocco so radically different is just the style of the program you're not we did stay in Marrakesh for a couple of days and you got to see a lot of the culture and a lot of the history and you got to interact but for most of it and what I found the far more truly impactful part of the trip was going into the rural high atlas mountains and living with I mean, a bur- in a Berber village with people in a home. And I mean, that truly, you get to talk and you get to form bonds with people that are unlike anything I've ever had. Like, my homestay family didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Berber or Arabic. But we still were able to communicate and connect and learn so much about each other. And that pushes you way out of your comfort zone. You're in a family style you've never truly fully experienced. You're in a village in a totally different place than where you live on a daily basis, but you get to learn and you get to grow and you get to see how other people in the world live and how interconnected we are as a group and as a world now in the 21st century. So Ryland, the uh, World Leadership Schools Mm -hmm. feature not only the in-home 
uh, experience uh, that Jefferson just spoke about, but also the, uh, a service uh, component and yeah. uh, and programming around that in leadership, both done by Mr. Dunn and in this case, Mr. UC, UC Roy, who's with you, but also the world leadership in country guide. So tell us about some yeah. of the other features of the world leadership experience that were powerful for you. Um, it was very eye-opening just because I'm, I'm a risk taker. Mm -hmm. I like taking risks. I like to be out of my comfort zone, and this was the biggest way I could do that this year or last year mm -hmm. and so one way we came together with the village is by, is through the service project and so there's these amazing pictures that coach Dunn took of other students took of how we're all working together so it didn't matter that you didn't speak Berber you didn't speak French you didn't speak Arabic you didn't speak English you had one job and that one job was to help pour cement clear rocks away um, or just be on the lookout for the animals that are helping carry rocks and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And so with one goal, it brought everyone together. And only like only like there was only a few people that could work, and there was a bunch of children in the village, and all they did was sit there and they watched. So we're setting an example for them that it doesn't matter where we're from, we can work together. Mm -hmm. You also happen to be the youngest traveler here, but yeah. you're the only individual that uh, was participated in the burgeoning middle school parish abroad yes. program so tell us a little bit about where you went with so, that program um in eighth grade i traveled to belize which is a small island in i think central america <laughs> and so that was very different from morocco mm -hmm. uh <laughs> it, it was more of like a uh ocean and marine life and learning about the coral reefs and we snorkeled and we got um exposure to all of like the uh everything that happens in like the ocean and how outside like pollution and everything is affecting that and so that was completely different from this year which or last year which was more of a language and kind of pushing your outside but they were different but they were different for two good reasons mr maybe maybe just unpack briefly the middle school philosophy and and trip locales and who we partner with uh for, for those adventures yeah so middle school i mean we call them leadership programs or kind of leadership kind of slash uh expeditions um but we have two programs um that we've been working with one is uh uh, students go to Alaska. It's kind of a, uh, an expeditionary program. Um, Carly Carey's been the, the, in our middle school, has been the leader of that the last couple of years, has done a fantastic job. Um, there's leadership components with that, right? And how do you, uh, how do you navigate, you know, glacier walks and how do you uh, navigate, uh, you know, camping outside, right? And, and so there's uh, leadership aspects of that goes into that. We partner with a group called No Barriers Youth out of Colorado. Uh, for that program. Um, we're running that program uh, again this summer. Uh, James Herman's going to be the group leader on that who helped out Miss Carey last year. Uh, and then the other one is um, with World Leadership School is our other vendor. And with World Leadership School, um, one of their goals is really to um, help schools kind of dig into uh, host communities and really develop a, a long-term relationship with those host communities. And so um, we've gone to um, Belize uh, and Costa Rica with that group. Um, this year, we we're unable to um, we're unable to make the, the the scheduling work with no barriers, so we're using another vendor. Um, but the, that middle school group is going to Peru, um, and so a little bit of a language and a little bit of a cultural right. And that one is led by uh, Mr. Mr. Fox, or Jared Fox, who's a Spanish teacher in the middle school. So he really wanted to kind of find that language component. Uh, there, so we're hoping that next year we can come back around and go back to Costa Rica with World Leadership School because we want to maintain a relationship with uh, 
with those communities. Yeah, terrific, terrific partners. And listen to that podcast with Ross again if you want to learn a little more about the philosophy that undergirds there, their work. And uh, something uh, I just uh, hit me, Mr. Monaco, and um, how we've been um, in the previous episodes been talking about of finding our fit in Paris itself. Mm-hmm. And um, after hearing uh, them, dis- uh, them tell uh, stories and how uh, Jefferson uh, disclosed how they all had one task, and even though they couldn't speak the same language or or understand each other, that they still got the one job done. And um, I- I'm not sure um, if you all have heard our previous episodes, but uh, we harping on this one thing of that we're kind of all the same going through the same issues and we don't know and and hearing that same ideology transcends even on the the uh the uh, the uh, global aspect of a social interaction is just big uh, to me regarding to us as a people how like i might not have to understand everything you say or um or, or as Jefferson said, I might not be able to speak the same language, but we can together get one task done in a in a respectful manner, and then at the, at the end of the day, everyone is as sufficed and happy. So I just thought that that it was quite uh, a coincidence that how we operate on us on a smaller scale is also um, done the same on a larger scale, even though we might not think yeah going global yeah. yeah with the same the same basic experiences that we have here within within this community yeah um, so to, uh, to uh, spin off of that uh, uh guest uh, could y'all um sh- share one specific experience that has like oh did you um as a better student friend parent or just as a, a better person over or all st- starting with miss ryland <laughs> Uh, yeah, so when we went to Morocco, uh, we when we went into our community, um, we knew no one. We were there for maybe 30, 45 minutes, and we got acquainted with a few of the leaders in the community. And then we all went um, to like this balcony, and all of the kids were there, and we played this huge game. It was like uh, the froggy, it's like the hand slap game. Yeah. <laughs> almost like a duck, duck, goose. Type yeah, game. almost. Um, and... <laughs> It was this huge game that they knew that we knew and we all sat in a circle and we just played and then it became this big like dance party and we incorporated our own fun experiences in, into that game. How old were the other participants? Um, were they children or adults mixed? Neat. Yeah, yeah. So and cool. it was just cool to see how it could go from we don't know you to we can bond over this game and make relationships that I still remember. I still remember mm. kids that welcomed me into their house mm. and accepted me. Well, and, and I want to I add on to what Ryan was saying because as a, um, you know, as a leader of these, like one of my jobs is to stand back, <laughs> right? And to just observe. And so, you know, Rylan may not necessarily remember this, but, but, but in, that, in, that, um, in that experience, you're playing the game, like the game itself, the goal of the game was to shrink the circle, right? And so like as it's almost like a duck duck goose, like mm-hmm. you would get out of the circle, right? And so as we started to see, we started to see kids stepping outside of that circle. And all of a sudden we just Miss Eustace Roy and I were like, Okay, this is our classroom. What are we seeing? And we made a couple of, of, of 
of kind of adjustments to it. We said, instead of getting out, make it cool to get out, but then go into the middle of the circle. Mm. And that really changed, that game changed yes. at that point. And so talk about belonging, <laughs> yes. right? And so now when kids would get, would get out, they would actually, instead of getting out, they would actually get yeah. in. And then all of a sudden it would just happen organically, right? Coach, how do we how do we count to three in Arabic? You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, Miss Yusri Roy, like I got I don't have it. Coach Nadi, you got this one. And so next thing you know, it was like they would say one, two, three in Arabic and welcome, mm-hmm. right? Mahalo. And so and, and so and so yeah. it became this this game instead of excluding people, this game of yeah. like inclusion and belonging, and that I think right there set the tone for the remainder of the program in the in that village, and and it happened with the kids and it happened organically and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever seen. And uh, before I go any further, I would like to uh, say thank you for that one example because as a teacher, like I don't think you all uh, understand how, like how just in your head, you just thought, well, how could I switch it up? But on like a grander scale and you made a bigger uh, difference as, um, as far as everyone a feeling in, in included and a part of your uh, a classroom there in Morocco. So I would like to thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to thank you for that as a teacher and student because mm-hmm. that, yeah, that means a lot really, to us. It was really cool, and we, you know, and that's one of the goals. And Mr. Monaco and I have talked about this as the program's developed. Is you know one of one of the responsibilities we have is to support those diversity and, uh, and inclusion initiatives and i talked to you guys today in the gpac about like a call to action if you travel down that parish abroad you have a responsibility mm. to step up and uh, and to be an advocate for that for that programming so thanks for pointing that out mark that's your what's your what's your most what's your most vivid memory you've traveled a lot probably the most of anybody in this region so do you have one that and you're about to go to I yeah that, that, that jumps off from you um i definitely feel like when we we were both split into two groups, both the girls and the boys, and we all, like, the boys got to talk to the other men of, like, the village and hear about their problems and concerns, and I kind of had this aha moment of realizing that the best way to be impactful and the best way to learn about others, learn about other cultures and people is to go there and talk to them. As yeah. much as we can try to simulate it, classroom and textbooks are a terrible way to learn about people and to learn about the world and learn about culture. Mm-hmm. You have to go out and you have to talk to people, to communicate with them, you have to experience the way they live to form a complete understanding of one another. Yeah, well said. Do you have another one, Yusuf? Uh, you already referenced the Ramadan. Yeah, yeah I did. Hey, like to take showers, I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was appropriate. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. It was okay. You're a clean man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, another, another experience for me was, um, I think before the trip, I mean, it, it's, it's very intuitive, but like in high school, I think we're sometimes a bit, defensive on things and we don't really like we kind of hide certain things about ourselves you know just to like get on with our day and just kind of like don't have to deal with certain things but um whenever we got into that village i didn't really like feel that wall anymore i kind of just opened up and kind of was just myself like i didn't see like mr dunn as a teacher like mr dunn was like my dude and like (laughs) and like everything and like like everyone was just like like I just saw them in a completely different way. I just saw them as like, <clears throat> like, like. How can I just like make make the most of like our time together right now? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's very cool for me because like I'm like that now, which was like the hardest thing for me to overcome prior prior to this trip because I didn't have that aha moment where I was like, dude, like maybe like this would be cool if you know. I just kind of like 
let go of certain things and just kind of like live life the way that I feel like I should. And I think kind of seeing the way, you know, the kids were living, seeing the way my homestay mom was living, like she's like a trooper, but like she was like herself. She'd wake up at 4 a.m. and go like feed the goats. And I'm just like, like mm-hmm. that's real. But like, it's because like she cares. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to do things that like I care about. And I just like learned a lot from the people there also, but from the people who came with me on the trip who also had the mm-hmm. same aha moment. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that environment, like you, like you, you, you just want to keep going and then keep on like, pushing the barrier of yourself and like you're really motivated to just find more about yourself i hope that was the biggest thing i opened my um chapel talks to you this year talking about these notions of wearing masks and lifting yeah. masks and you know we wear them with certain masks when we're here at parish mm-hmm. right so we're seeing yusuf but we may not be seeing all of yusuf and i think what you've described really in walking into those environments is you're picking up masks and finding an authentic self that you didn't have to put on certain masks that you probably, frankly, had to come put back on when you got here, right? Like, this is the reality of the, of the world we live in. But that power of the global travel is that ability to really see parts of yourself that maybe here you're not uh, as comfortable, to your point, always exploring. Yeah. Or Mr. Monaco, it's, um, it's, instead of him putting on a different mask, it's, uh, it's sometimes okay at, like to take off all the masks like he said that once I didn't have to put on anything and I, and I'm just in a in a place where I can just breathe then that's okay sometimes too and there's also growth with taking off all your masks no question for, from that and uh Mr. Don uh, a question for you we've talked about the the past and and present of Paris abroad but what um, do you, uh, Mr. Dunn, Mr. Monaco, and all of those are part of the Parish Abroad um, cohorts have in mind of, of the, the upcoming years? Well, I think the, the upcoming years are exciting, especially because I, I really see Parish Abroad playing a, you know, an increased role in the reimagine. Um, and to give an example of, of you know, something that we're trying out uh, is uh, in three days, Jefferson is a part of this. I'm taking 10 kids up to uh, Iowa, to Des Moines, Iowa. We call it the Iowa Project. And uh, taking 10 kids up to Des Moines, Iowa, and they're gonna participate in presidential campaigns and learn about the Iowa caucuses, not from my government economics classroom, but on the ground, uh, campaigning for one presidential candidate on one day and another presidential candidate another day. And really looking for ways with which we can, can bring, kind of break down the walls of the classroom um, and really tie in uh, you know that experiential learning um, because you know uh, as studies shown that that affectual uh, learning is the thing that's the stickiness right and you know getting kids to understand like you know here's here are these concepts and these topics and how do we you know how do we help you make connections to the real world and uh, so I think you know we're looking at um, you know more domestic travel opportunities um, we're taking a look at opening up um, almost like the course uh, selection process or the course of uh, proposal process. We're looking at opening that up to uh, the faculty. And so as we move this into that next phase, which is really making them part of the culture, uh, so opening up to teachers can can have the opportunity, like I've been blessed with being able to kind of follow my passion, that teachers have the opportunity uh, to have their own passion, to follow their own passions and have these great, wonderful experiences with kids. So that's what we're hoping to, to grow to. Gotcha. And I have one more big question for those 
Well, it, it it used to be myself before I came of knowledge of the parish abroad. But um, what advice do you have for those students, faculty members, or parents themselves on being afraid on being afraid to take that first step into experiencing um, their a global world? Because oftentimes um, in our own society, there's different uh, stereotypes and uh, and uh, stigmas made for certain uh, countries or certain areas. So, so like, how do you, what advice or um, what information could you give to those people so that they aren't so afraid of traveling, period, abroad? I, I'm curious what the students have to yeah. say on that, right? That's open-ended question for everyone. Because they're, the they're the ones that are courageous, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, as a risk taker, I say just do it. I mean... Uh, there's a bunch of meetings leading up that says that give information about in all of it and if you're uncomfortable with any of it Mr. Dunn's always there you can ask you can talk to him I know my mom was a little worried about me going to Morocco mm -hmm. she's still a little bit worried mm -hmm. but she we both trust Mr. Dunn uh, we know him very well from soccer and now parish um, but just take it because this is one of the only places where you have this environment that supports parish supports like trips like this and I just definitely have to agree with the point of like just um, like looking the beginning of the year of like the programs and trips going on and find something that interests you and find something that you want to do and then if you're still on the fence if you're still worried still have like these fears or concepts like Rylan said talk to Mr. Dunn talk to the other teacher chaperones who will be going talk to your friends who have gone and perished abroad if you're able like sign up go to the interest meetings, learn about it, and ease your way into it. Did you? Did it make it easier for you, Jefferson, starting with the cultural immersion trip and then moving to the, to the more uh, intensive experience of the World Leadership School affiliated leadership trip? Did that help? Uh, definitely a little bit because yeah. in my first two trips to Europe, I got familiar with the process mm -hmm. that the school takes and that Coach Dunn takes mm -hmm. with airports and with traveling mm -hmm. and going mm -hmm. places and staying and it built a level of trust between me and the parish abroad program mm -hmm. there. I, I feel comfortable going anywhere that Coach Dunn is willing to take me. Yeah, <laughs> you're and really like, I've kind of grown into that mindset and into that attitude yeah. and it's something that I would love to see more people who are able to go and able to have the opportunities to try to take. Any piece of advice you said? Um, I think it's understandable to be fearful of travel. Uh, I'm I myself originally, whenever I signed up to a trip, I was like, whoa, like this is like such a, a daunting program. I was like, I'm gonna be staying in like a village. People I don't know. Yeah, they yeah. Speak my language. Yeah. They might be saying stuff. I don't exactly. Know what saying. But I I had a shift in perspective because I realized that I'm just gonna be presented with an opportunity that I don't know if I'm ever going to have again. Like, when when can I ever say again that I lived in a village? When can I ever say again that I got to spend uh, the month of Ramadan in Morocco with, like, with all these historical landmarks around me? Like, when can I ever, like, have an experience like this? And, and, I think, and it's predominantly Muslim, right? Yeah, Morocco's predominantly yeah, Muslim. Yeah. So he was with, a, with a predominantly yeah. Muslims, right? Mm. And, and so I think the biggest thing with gl global travel is that you learn a lot more than like you think you learn hmm. and like i i think that's the biggest thing so fear is understandable but you're like there's so much more that you can get out of it than than if you wouldn't go like it like it makes you more aware and as and as a person on this earth 
I think the best thing you can do is just be be aware of what's going on around you. So then when I had the shift in perspective, I was like, what? I get to go to Morocco? And it was like, it was a cool moment. So you mentioned earlier, you just want more of this. So uh, after Iowa, what's next on your travel agenda, Jefferson? Or if you plan for um, the trips uh, this upcoming year, are you going to take any more in the spring or the summer? Um, I'm going to <laughs> Italy later on spring break mm. after Iowa, which I'm excited for and to continue the program. I'm not... I don't believe I'll be heading on a trip this summer, but I plan to do more my senior year. Terrific. Um, Hopefully, I'll be traveling this summer uh, to Tanzania. I'm also wanting to travel to Tanzania. Great. So you got them hooked now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Omari, who is an aspiring traveler, hope to go next summer. Like, it's my senior year, so we, we as you should have said, it might fall my last By the way, we do do... Uh, Postgrads on a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so for example, Hayes Boyd, who graduated uh, a few years ago, just graduated from uh, Texas A&M. Right? Yeah, he's now vet school as yeah. like a junior, right? Yes, he graduated right? early from Texas. A&M. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so we do do postgraduates, right? Oh, no, that's fantastic. So that if someone does graduate and you know they kind of meet kind of the behavioral criteria and kind of what we're looking for in a student, then by no by all means, we try to figure out a way to make that work for kids. So in closing, Mr. Dunn, for interesting listeners, uh, we've heard Italy, we've heard uh, Tanzania, so let's go through the list of what's coming up here in 2020. What can we look forward to, middle and upper school? So um, so we have the Iowa Project that's leaving here in a few days, um, which is connected to kind of our GovEcon curriculum. We have, uh, in March, uh, we're taking 26 kids to Italy, uh, Venice, Florence, and Rome. Um, it's gonna wow. be tough. Somebody has to do it. Um, uh, we are uh, taking, uh, we have a middle school program to Alaska and a middle school program to Peru uh, that's leaving in June. Uh, we have a leadership program to Tanzania, I believe 17 kids. We just got to approval to take 17 kids into the village um, with that. So, yeah, so 17. So, you guys, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Our, our first, yeah, really, our first sub Saharan African trip. Yeah. So, this is exciting. Exactly. We did Morocco, but did it's, Morocco. Uh, it's really nice to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, and then hopefully, you know, we're hoping to get the language immersion going. Um, so if anybody's interested in a language immersion, um, see uh, Miss uh, Prince and the upper school as they're looking to take kids to Peru with World Leadership School. So they're going to be doing homestays and um, it's going to probably be about 80, 85 percent Spanish um, and how they and how they do that. So it's a very different program than, than the language immersions we've been doing in the past. And I think to finish up on um, your question tomorrow about the vision for the program future, I, I think what I'm most excited about beyond just the sheer numbers is that well Mr. Dunn has rightfully been referenced both by our guests here today and and, uh, and others for the growth of Parish Abroad he we have also heard other names of faculty sprinkled in yes. here and so you know, he's done an excellent job incorporating a cadre of faculty members now in the middle and upper school who've been trained uh, who now can facilitate and lead these trips uh, who have developed the same type of passion for global travel so to his earlier point about it becoming part of the fabric and the culture you know he's not a one-man band you know leading the parish abroad uh, musicians anymore right it's the, <laughs> so, the kids the kids <laughs> teachers and parents so we we could not do it without the kids teachers, yeah it's and really it's really broadened it's really broadened out so um, and before going from Knuckle, on absolutely. behalf of students parents if you're a child is eager to go and experience like a different things as, as such as parish abroad don't quickly turn them down <laughs> give it thought because you i not know how beneficial in life ch- changing it could be 
uh, or your child. I'm not saying that you have to listen to me. Just give it more thought than <laughs> saying a quick no. Come do. It's a yeah. it's a key phrase that we use. Find a way. Find a way. Yeah. Find yeah. a way. Come to an interest meeting. Uh, contact Mr. Dunn here at school. These trips are in full transparency, uh, not part of tuition. They are expensive. Yeah. So um, there are aid possibilities uh, for families who are on financial aid here that uh, Mr. Dunn can talk with you about. Uh, but there's also the notion for some families who are making investments in summer camps and other types of programs during the summer that also take uh, significant resource. Uh, to, to your point, or realloc potentially reallocate them to this type of experience to uh, really have their child receive some of the riches that you've heard our guests here describe. So uh, thanks for joining us, you guys. Yes. You're all Absolutely. fantastic. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you all. forward to uh, upcoming sessions uh, next month. We're going to be digging into uh, connecting not just in the global uh, society, but in but the, the technology-laden uh, technology global yes. society. So Mar and I are looking <laughs> forward. Snapchats, no filters. Yes, uh. looking forward to this. I have Dr. Marion, uh, Dr. Marion Underwood, uh, uh, Dean of the University of Illinois, who will be on. She's a technology expert, and I'll be talking with her in early February. And then Amara and I will be back with some of our um, uh, student guests to really dig into what their experience is like trying to find uh, their place in the technology-infused world of today. So thank you all for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty thank you. good first year back. Happy New Year podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. In our next episode of the podcast, we will shift our focus for the month of February to the topic of finding belonging in the age of technology and personalization. I will be joined by Marion Underwood, Dean of the College of Health and Human Sciences at Purdue University. Dean Underwood is one of the foremost researchers in the developmental origins and outcomes of social aggression and how adolescence digital communication relates to adjustment. Since 2013, Dr. Underwood and her research group have been conducting a longitudinal study on the origins and outcomes of social aggression and how adolescents use social media. We look forward to that conversation and we'll welcome you back. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on From My Angle. <laughs>